Blog Talk Radio. The Purple I'm your host and the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks, Lori LeBay. So welcome today. Um, for those of you that are fathers and we're celebrating, um, congratulations for all you do for uh, for the fathers in our lives. And that doesn't necessarily mean biological fathers. There's a, a lot of men out there who are fathers to many who have never had kids of their own. So don't uh, don't overlook those guys either. They're doing a wonderful, wonderful job. Um, for those of you that are new to our show, I just want to give you a little background on who Alzheimer's Speaks is and what we're about. Bottom line is we're an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and having everyday conversations like we're going to have today about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those dealing with the disease live with purpose. Together, I know we can um, help everybody understand the true needs of this disease and remove all those nasty myths and stigma that create such fear and isolation for so many people in the world. I know we're making a difference because we were honored um, by... um, being awarded from Share Care and Dr. Oz, the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's. And I don't say that to give Alzheimer's Speaks kudos. I say that so that everyone listening can understand the impact that you have because you, our audience, were the ones that, that created that um, momentum and allowed us to to be recognized at that level. You see, your clicks, your likes, your tweets, your shares, um, all of those things have a huge impact. So many people are dealing with this disease that we don't even know, and they can be in our close circle of friends. And you would be shocked um, when you find out um, that someone is actually struggling with this in their life, struggling with dementia. By liking and tweeting, you are pushing out valuable information that people can get used to seeing the conversation being had, and they're going to be able to tap into it when they're ready. This isn't something we can force on anybody um, in terms of information and knowledge, but the more it's out there, the more accessible it is, the more likely those in need are going to be able to tap into it. So please continue. If you haven't liked our, our page, please do so on the the radio show, as well as go to our home page where we have all kinds of information. We have the radio. We've got the blog 
We do Dementia Chats webinars, which is a free webinar that anybody can attend. Um, and those are all recorded as well. We have a resource directory and, and so much more information on there. So go to www.alzheimerspeaks.com. And at the top, there's a big share button. And go ahead and, and share that page as well. We would really appreciate your efforts um, to help raise awareness. It's something that costs no time and, and takes little money. Now, we also um, are always looking for guests on our show. And so we interview everybody from those living with the disease to those that are caring for somebody, and that might be a family or a friend, uh, or it might be a professional. There are all different types of businesses cropping up now to deal with dementia. But there are also authors, lots and lots of authors out there writing their stories um, about their journey with dementia. There are musicians and film directors. There are researchers. So um, here on Alzheimer Speaks, we feel that everybody's voice is valued, and we want to hear that. So if you think that you might be interested in being part of the show, um, please just shoot me an email. Again, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a big contact button. And just in the subject line, say Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Um, and tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll go from there. Before I introduce our first guest, though, I always like to give a shout-out to some organizations that I think are, are really valuable and can help us all out a lot. The Purple Angel, which was our opening song, um, is uh, is an awareness campaign about uh, having a symbol, a global symbol that um, denotes dementia. And it's a marvelous, marvelous tool. It's spreading like wildfire throughout the world. It costs no money, and anybody can be part of this campaign. Uh, you can use it in your email signatures, on your Facebook pages, um, linked in um, your websites, all different, all different ways, even uh, marketing materials. So if you're interested in that, go to our About page on alzheimerspeaks.com. You can get a little bit more information there. And again, I'd be glad to talk to you further on that. Many people ask where they can find an Alzheimer's Association closest to them. And since we have a global audience, I like to push people to Alzheimer's Disease International, or known as ADI. That's Alzheimer's Disease International. And there you will not only be able to find um, an association, an Alzheimer's association closest to you, but you will also be able to get the latest updates on global data and what is happening in our world. Um, they do a marvelous job at keeping us posted. The Alzheimer's Studies Group has two clinical trials going on right now, one for frontal temporal lobe and the other is in its third trial for tau. Uh, so you can go to alzheimerstudies.com or you can go to the Alzheimer's team on Facebook and find more information there. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is an organization that provides holistic opportunities when dealing with dementia. Uh, <clears throat> so they look at things about our eating habits, exercise, social engagement, meditation. Uh, they also have a contest running right now. Uh, so if you have a story that you'd like to share about your father, uh, send them that story and a photo. 
And the um, the contest closes the 29th of this month. And again, that's the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. A couple other um, organizations that I think are really important is the Lewy Body Dementia Association and the Association for Frontal Temporal Degeneration. Um, when you are dealing with either types of, of um, these symptoms of dementia, it's important to get to those organizations because the symptoms are a little bit different and you're going to be able to talk directly with people that get it, that are living with it. And I think you'll find great, great information there. Um, many people always ask about um, someone's having trouble with speech and the National Aphasia Association can help with that. And aphasia is spelled A-P-H-A-S-I-A. And then as far as social engagement goes, Music First with Choral Health and uh, is amazing. They do prescriptions for music. So they can find music that will help wake somebody up, put them to sleep, um, help them eat, relax. Um, you know, it, it's, it's pretty incredible. And Coro is spelled C-O-R-O, Choral Health with Music First. And then Jane Snyder with Puzzle With Me developed a puzzle that is more age-appropriate for adults. It has fewer pieces and bigger pieces, so it's easier to handle. The Jiminy Wicket program is a social engagement program, which is also educational. They... Um, they use this in the schools to play croquet with students and people from memory care, and they, they line them up uh, so it's one-on-one, -on -one, so it's a lot of fun and educational in the process. Uh, you can also use this game at home yourself, and uh, I think you'll find it uh, um, amazing and fun. So let's go ahead and introduce our first guest here. Uh, Rita Anden um, has been teaching, training, and educating health providers and staff for many years, not only locally but nationally. As an Alzheimer's and dementia trainer specializing in memory care, she's also a certified activity director and certified assisted living manager. Rita is a valued consultant and trainer to assisted living in long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and um, home and adult day facilities. She also has extensive training in mental health and hospice care. Rita is the founder and president of Beyond Golden Era, a company dedicated to educating caregivers and healthcare professionals on how to effectively serve the elderly in aspects of their life. Her newest venture is called Dementia Angels, and that is an information and service, um, provides information and services um, and resources for people um, such as personal aids, and it prepares clients for varying physical, mental, and emotional challenges inherent in the beginning, middle, and end stages of Alzheimer's and dementia. Rita's passion truly is to assist the elderly and help families go through this journey of dementia. So welcome, Rita. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you so much. Good morning to listeners. <clears throat> well, I'm I'm glad that you're you're with us here. Poor Rita's in Arizona. Would you say it's 104 there today? Yes, it is almost going to be 104. Yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying all the heat I can. 
Well, and we're whining in Minnesota with 85 and sticky because it's going to be. Uh, it looks like we're going to have storms again <laughs> again tonight. But <laughs> I guess I guess we can back off on our whining. We're not, we're not 104, so that's mm-hmm. good. Well, I'm I'm so excited to have you with us. I I wanted to share with people a little bit before we get started in our, our questions, just a a personal connection that Rita and I um, had, and uh, how I met her and why I'm I'm so fascinated with what she's doing. When I was in Arizona speaking, Rita had reached out and said, you know, I'd really like to get together with you while you're here. And so months in advance, we had um, set up an appointment uh, to get together. Little did I know that while we were together um, and while I was in Arizona, my mother would be actively dying at home and I wouldn't be able to be present. And this dear woman was actually with me at dinner when my mom took her last breath. And we we got to see that on FaceTime. My daughter had called us, and she was so gracious and so giving. And I'll never, never, ever be able to repay her for your kindness. So thank you, Rita. Needed to oh, please say that. It it was my pleasure. Yeah, very emotional she, right now. <laughs> yeah, she was. Um, she was amazing, absolutely amazing, and I couldn't have asked for a better person to be with me at that time. So, so Thank very you. compassionate person, um, and um, from then, uh, you know, it has really ignited a, a strong friendship, and um, it's just an honor to to learn of her work and her passion uh, for really shifting. Uh, how we treat our elders, and especially in uh, dementia care. So, Rita, I always ask people when they're on the show, and I know the answer, but our our audience doesn't. Have you been personally touched with family or a friend, um, you know, by dementia, or how did you get into this? Yeah, this is such an interesting question. Uh, no, I am not. I have not been personally touched by this disease, luckily, I would say, or unfortunately. But what happened is that I was working as an assistant director in one of the communities in New Jersey. That's where I was for a couple of years before coming into Arizona. And I had just joined in that uh, that uh, that part of the world, which is therapeutic activity director. And um, they had asked me to start working on dementia unit, which was on the third floor. So what happened is any of my staff members, they, you know, if our director or anybody used to say, why didn't you go into that unit and start working? And um, they used to say, no, I don't want to. I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid and all that of these type of uh, questions. And I was, I was a little bit curious, what is dementia? So I said, I asked my director and my administrator that I would like to be challenged to go to that floor. And over there, they were all very severe dementia with aggressive behavior because it was a nursing home. So I went in there and I just had a very uh, challenging one, eight hours, one day servicing there just to know what's going on. What is this disease about? How to help them? And um, I came back home, I searched, I searched uh, for all Alzheimer's and I wanted to know about dementia and that's where it all started almost 15 to 16 years back. And wow. I took the training, I made up my mind, I want to help this disease because this disease is within itself. 
They cannot communicate. It was a very tough disease for anybody who can see and diagnose it. Once it's diagnosed, how to take care of them? So I started taking all the trainings, not only for New Jersey or New York, but I started traveling to Maryland. I started telling, traveling to Dallas, and I, I took this extensive training just to know and feel. And I, whatever training I was taking, I used to go back on my floor, and I started helping all my dementia patients from onset to severe behaviors to on, even on hospice. All I saw was that my passion, my attractions toward them is there is a soul. There is a soul in each and every dementia patient, and we need to take care of them. Healthcare is a very unique care, and when you want to be a professional, you have to have a passion, a training, and a real secretive heart to take care of our dementia patients. And when I say our, you can see that this is my extended family. I love them all, even till the end of life. I was going to say that's beautifully stated, and I think it's so important um, what you said about, you know, each has a soul, and they are still in there. I saw that repeatedly with my mom, you know, end stages, couldn't communicate, couldn't do anything for herself anymore, yet there was still the glint in the eye and the smile um, that would, would come alive every now and then. Couldn't be there for us all the time, but... You know, and we had to train ourselves to look, I think, differently. Um, yeah. You know, to to find those things, um, we we forget in this fast-paced world that we have to slow down, and um, and really be present. And um, mm-hmm. it sounds like that's really what you were bringing back <clears throat> to uh, to your community and back to your staff, which is is a wonderful, wonderful thing to hear. Can you tell us about your, your, you have two different companies, um, and I'm wondering if you can tell us about them both. Um, If you want to, you can start out with either of them, and and, um, I I kind of highlighted them in the intro, but I, I think it would be good for people to learn a little bit more about each of them. Yeah, sure, definitely. Uh, since I was working as a therapeutic um, recreation director, activity director for years, so I started moving from nursing home, learned a lot of experience, and went to assisted living. Um, I found that you know our, stay, our staff has to be trained very well uh, before they are placed on the floor to take care of dementia age, uh, patients. They have to have a special training. They have to have a special skill, a heart, a passion, all these combinations because they have to have patience a lot of patience, a smile, a touch, a care. So I just thought that I had to launch a new company just to train, which I was doing um, at, at anywhere uh, to all my staff. So I, Beyond Golden Era was born. Um, so in Beyond Golden Era, I provide training to all uh, all the healthcare professionals who are on the front line. That means they are all the managers, uh, act, uh, activity directors, nurses, uh, care, case managers, um, you're talking about executive directors, and even builders and managers who are um, uh, planning to create a new uh, community for our elder cares. So I thought that this is the best one. So I took a training from NCCDP and I became a CDCM, which is Certified Dementia uh, Case Manager. And my passion, my um, 
uh, experiences, my trainings, and all of them as a combination, I put an effort in Beyond Golden Era to train them one of the best. I provide a lot of uh, CEUs for all the professionals. Um, I, so uh, this is a really uh, great training uh, which they learn hands-on. So I try to do it in the community so that I can bring them on that unit or in, this, uh, or in that atmosphere just to let them know that whatever I have taught and trained, now let's spend a good one hour on the floor and see how uh, my training has affected and what all we need, how much we are learning. So it's basically a one-day, eight-hour training, and I try my professionals to learn through my eyes what exactly uh, you have to work with, how you have to work with them. Uh, as I said, lots of smiles, lots of patience, and a passion. So if in dementia units you cannot have employees or caregivers who doesn't have a training. So Beyond Golden Era is completely about the training, advocacy, consultation jobs. So this is what Beyond Golden Era is. And I've been blessed that I've been doing it locally and nationally. So when I reached here in Arizona a year back, I found that, you know, after observing for almost over a year, and this was back in my mind that my uh, that I wanted to stop start a resource center for all our elderly. So I started creating a small um, uh, social gathering for all our seniors. There was hardly any uh, social activities for seniors. You see, for dementia, you can you know before dementia comes in, I want to go back to a little bit is depression, loneliness. Mm -hmm. Seniors start thinking about that in their mind. Oh, my God, my wife is not there, or what do we have to do? According to their age, according to their ability and uh, their needs, you know, so I started doing a small group in a church, and I, I was blessed that they gave me the space, and I started some two-hour therapeutic recreation just to reminisce with them, talk to them, laugh, do activities, whatever they want, play cards, uh, you know, do the knitting club talk about that, and then we will have some food and snacks and all those hydration and talk about it. And then I started bringing from healthcare, some healthcare professionals into those little groups we started every Thursday in the church. So that had created such an amazing um, platform for me to form Dementia Angels. And I said, these, these are the things that the seniors need to know. There are lots, thousands and thousands of all these uh, resources out there um, in every community, but elderly are not ha able to get those resources. So I thought that we have to form one-stop care where we can provide our assisted um, seniors so we can assist them with the personalized, well-planned healthcare resources. And it's a one-stop resource. So for them, first of all, the Dementia Angels is an extended family of a kind, trusted professional. We help to navigate that maze for all the seniors. We answer all these questions. So I met a couple of, um, couple of home health prof professionals. I had uh, group homes. I, I went and I, I personally visit. We visit. Our team is um, myself as a consultant, dementia specialist. I have two nurses and a couple of so and social workers. So we all as a team go into these group homes, um, communities, and we see what exactly each community is serving. As we say, each and every dementia patient is very, very unique. They have their own likes, their dislikes, and uh, habits, and the culture. So there are a couple of communities that they are facing. Right now, near my neighborhood, 
five of those communities are all full with dementia patients. So each and every community has something unique to serve. So if our patient calls in, we really do extensive assessment uh, in Dementia Angels, and we try to bring them on wherever we can. Uh, my first approach is I would like to keep them at home, provide them the socializing if we can through the non-medical home health care uh, so that the staff is doing something with them all the time. They're keeping them busy if they want to go for a walk, if they want to still cook. We, can, we, we try to keep as long as into their own, um, you know, on, uh, to let them enjoy their life as long as they can. Once they cannot, when we see it, we try to place them, we try to assist them wherever their requirements and their needs are, and they will be perfect there. So main word for, I would say, for my dementia is I want to give them personalized, well-planned uh, life. So Dementia Angels helps them, our team helps them till the end of life. Once we are all, when we know that this um, uh, resident or this family member is not feeling well, and then we go back to the families and we, we go check our clients, we go back to the families, we update them with all our visits, what's going on, and uh, even till the end of life. So once, if uh, that resident is no more, we provide a grief support uh, group to the family too. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I do just want to say to our listeners, if anybody has a question, you can actually call in live to the studio. That number is 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. Or you can always use our chat box as well and post a comment or a question there. Um you can just hear the passion in your voice, Rita, and um, how important this all is to you, which I think is is um, not only refreshing, but I but I think that um, that passion is just contagious too. Um, and I'm sure that your students um, and, and people who attend your your training programs really really feel that. Can you say the name of the designation again that that you that you do for some of your training? Um, I would I, do you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Definitely. Once when anybody is interested in taking my training, it's called CDP. You will get a title, uh, which is uh, full form is Certified Dementia Practitioner. In eight hours, I really give you a condensed training, hands-on training, and give you a resourceful binder, which actually gives you a lot of resources to approach. And uh, once you have eight hours, it's a very interactive um, training, so it's not like 100% PowerPoint. We do have PowerPoint, but my method of teaching is completely hands-on and and knowing where you are at, how much do you know about that. Sometimes my... Uh, so we start from dementia, that what exactly this disease is, and I go through the journey the first hour, hour and a half about it till the end of life. So the certification is called CDP, Certified Dementia Practitioner. So you have to attend that eight hours. Um, and minimum is, I, and I and I can make. I have been creating numerous uh, CEU programs for uh, any healthcare professionals too. Okay, so with this um, CDP um, certification, is that something that is a one-time thing, or does it have to be kept up every year, or how does how does that work? Very good questions. Yes, uh, it's actually for two years, and for two years you can go and 
see, uh, go and visit the website for NCCDP, which is a national association, and they are the one, they have approved this program and they have created this program. Now, um, this uh, certification, once you receive, is good for two years, and you can keep up. So once if they have my class, we will tell them how to keep up with the certification. Any body of knowledge for uh, which covers the dementia in any form, whether ADLs or, um, you know, any type of a training. And this is basically mostly, and it is only for the professionals who are taking care of our loved ones, which is dementia patients in the communities. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Um, now, you said you also do other programs. So do you do things for families uh, that specific as well as far as programming yes. goes? Yes, I do. I started small support groups, which is called Remnants with Rita, because I I realized that uh, dementia has a stigma, and it is very hard for me or to anybody that who can ask all the elderly who are sitting still at home and they don't want to talk about it. So to, just to break that, I have started a few Remnants with Rita uh, support groups where I give them a little bit of education about this disease. Um, since a lot of them, they have either, these support groups are for two different categories. One is to get the education, what it's all about. So it's free to all the public, uh, all the communities. So in a couple of libraries, senior centers, I've been going, I've been creating these programs just to aware about dementia, that, uh, you know, it is not a scary disease. We, sh we should be handling it in a very professional and a very respectful manner if somebody has dementia. So these support groups are basically who are um, who already has the loved ones in the community that they need a place to talk to know more about dementia. What what are their expectations? What is going to happen next? So we all share and talk about that. And my other support groups are basically more towards education. So I create a lot of programs for them. Uh, and, and educating the family members where to approach, what to do, what is the next step. And I would like to add a little bit more of my experiences here, Laurie, is that sure. once any any senior has been diagnosed, what I have seen in duration of my work is that they should take a second opinion. Doctors are wonderful. I am not saying against anything, but everybody is a human. Um, because there is a very fine line between severe depression, delirium, and dementia. And I have noticed in my career that, you know, twice I had an experience that, that um, a resident or a senior didn't have dementia and they were diagnosed with dementia. What I would say is that, um, that go to the doctors once you're diagnosed or anybody is diagnosed, your loved ones, Go back to another doctor and a psychiatrist or a neurosurgeon just to make sure that they have dementia before you uh, put that stigma and before you get into that. Uh, because um, I saved three lives already in my 10 years. So I would say that, you know, uh, that word Same. once they have in the, mm -hmm. yeah, they had a severe, severe depression. And one of them, they had a severe uh, delirium because she had fallen down in the bathroom. And for, you know, she, so she was completely confused and had all those signs of dementia. But once when she was in a wonderful care in our community where I was and other team of our employees were, we were able to diagnose and, and see that, you know, she is working very well with all, you know, she was, she didn't have much what I could say is had dementia symptoms. 
So what we did was that we tried to give her all the things, you know, so she used to be a secretary in her past. So we gave her a lot of work to be organized, and she was able to do it. And um, we requested our doctors, uh, who were medical doctors there, we requested the team, and she is at home right now. So, uh, you know, so sometimes I would just, I would, I would enforce this, that please, if you have been diagnosed with dementia, try to go back and have, second opinion or maybe third before you um, before you yourself take it that you have dementia or your loved one mm-hmm. has dementia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of misdiagnosis going on there. I know with my mom, I'm I'm really anxious just to see the the autopsy because she didn't fit the, you know, she didn't fit the the peg in terms of uh you know what dementia was. You know she started having problems in her her mid fifties. Um, doctors poo pooed it to hormones for ten years, and then all of a sudden said she's you know got Alzheimer's and the mentality of a three year old. And you kind of go, how do we get here? Um, but you know there's so many unknowns. Um, this disease looks like so many others um, that are out there, and it's it's a uh, it's a confusing disease. We don't have close to you know, any of the answers that we really want at this point. Um, you know, we're not sure what causes it. We're not sure what prevents it. Um, so, you know, it's just, it, it is good to get more than one opinion out there um, because we hear from people who are diagnosed all the time um, that all of a sudden their diagnosis has changed. And um, and it's a pretty significant um, change when that happens. You know, you're kind of going down one path, and now you've got to gear um, up to in, into something totally, totally different. So I, I think that's really valuable advice. Um, now, with your your resource center um, that you've created with the Dementia Angels and in your referral system, is that local to um to Arizona or is that national or international how are you you know what is your what is your goal for that my goal definitely would be thank you for letting me know that yes national and international that's why i formed there is a lot of um uh, care needed uh, so this was formed that this is one-stop resource so the elderly can uh, just approach one phone call. Um, right now, we are working very strongly in the East Valley, which is a, a couple of communities and counties here, and we are heading towards the, the West Valley and the South and the East of all. So what's happening is from my uh, dementia, we are only having, right now we are only serving Arizona. So my plan is, our team's plan is, yes, slowly and steadily, once we are all uh, settled and served all our uh, seniors here, we will definitely push to another state, yes. Okay, okay. That's kind of what I figured. There's there's so many different um, resources popping up right now. It's kind of hard to to know who's where and and what. And um, I think having those those niches is a, is great. You know, to to really get grounded in your own own community and be really solid and have buy-in. Because um, it's it's hard um, to gather all the resources. And if you're inputting them yourself, or like with our um, collaborative resource thing, it's it's everyone can input stuff, but it's getting people to take the time and to realize how important having that 
information online in different variable um, places is because you never know where the person in need is going to be coming from. And that's that's a really critical, critical move there. Um, again, if anyone has any questions or comments, um, please feel free to call in at 714-364-4757, or you can uh, utilize the chat box as well. Um, I wanted to um, ask you a little bit about your training programs and, and uh, you know, what you feel is is different about them and, and why that's important. Um, you touched a little bit on that, but can you go into a little bit more in depth of, of how they're different and, and why you've set them up that way? Yeah. Um, firstly, it's a, you know, you have been, you, you saw your mom in a community, everybody else seeing it. Firstly, we have a real need to have a very well-trained staff to work with dementia patients. Uh, my training is that all I talk about is, and I train them, is that every resident has a unique need that we should be aware of if we are taking care of them. If you don't know about that particular resident, what their likes are, what their stages are, what is their physical capabilities are, what their needs are, what they require, how are they communicating, what are they trying to say. Sometimes they're looking for just to have a glass of water. Sometimes they're looking for uh, just a small snack. You know, so their needs, their requirements, what exactly they're talking about. So I try to uh, bring them to their world. That's very important. And we have a small workshop in my training where they wear these glasses. They have all these so that they can feel that how uh, their glasses are dirty and they have some problems with their eyes and they have a vision or a hearing aid, all the five senses. So that makes it a little bit unique because I want to make them realize that sit down on this wheelchair and you have a wet uh, uh, you need to, your areas has to be changed. So what happens is when they feel my attendees or my students are sitting on that chair, on that wheelchair for four to five hours, they feel a need that you have to have a passion to take care of them because the communication is also very important. So when dementia patients are not able to communicate what they really need, what they exactly mean. So we have to uh, assume, we have to help, we have to see their body language and, and help them. So my training is mostly on hands-on. So all my experiences, my extensive training, uh, trainings and uh, um, my, I would say, all what I have learned from different seminars and, and people out there and the research I have worked with, all those I bring them in the training and I'll tell them, that, you know, you are the one who is taking care of that particular residence. For instance, they have five residents on their eight-hour shift. They need to know all of them very well, how they like to eat, what they like to eat, what exactly their past was, what they were before, and they have to respect them. And we have to make sure where their dementia is at. What are they talking about? If they are repetitive behaviors, are they wanderers? Are they looking for any any other need or any other help? So the training is very important. So uh, when we interact in our class, uh, in our trainings, we are emphasizing more on each and every dementia patient that they are unique. So mm -hmm. it is really... Um, 
since there is no cure yet. So the training is also a journey to learn, explore, and have different ways to redirect our patients. So how to redirect them? There are different, different, every, since every dementia patient is unique, so we have to give them a redirection in a very unique way. So that's okay, all they learn from that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, you've also recently just become a Purple Angel Ambassador. Can you tell us why you wanted to get involved with, with that campaign? Yes, it means a lot to me. Thank you so much, Laurie, for uh, introducing me to be uh, a part of Purple Angel. Um, since my couple of my, um, I would say, my friends or extended family are in support group, they have onset of dementia. So they are the, he's the only one who I met just recently in such a long journey um, that he has onset of dementia and he's very open about it. So I thought that, you know, I wanted to approach it so that we can talk about it. And he says, I will be back because we have lots of snowbirds here. So he, when he will be back and he, is there, he, he wants to be involved with me to give an awareness to people to talk about it. It's okay to talk about it. Still, He's still living a normal life on a, from last 10 years, 5 years. Um, and he says, I know that I cannot drive, so I gave the keys away. So that's what I thought, that when I read about Purple Angel and I came to know from you, I really looked into it and I was really touched and I said, I would love to be a part of that. We have so many support groups in Arizona where seniors can join for free to learn about all this and I would love to um, uh, navigate towards uh, Purple Angel and and ask them to go and visit your uh, uh, Alzheimer's speak so that they can get that awareness and openness. Uh, Purple Angel is a beautiful, beautiful, I would say, a new um, era that we all, everybody gets an opportunity that, yes, there is a support system. And um, I would love to be a part of that. Yeah, it means it's it's such a simple way for anybody to be able to participate, um, you know, with that. You can go to um, alzheimerspeaks.com to our about and we have a symbol and what you have to do. And, you know, the Purple Angel was um, started by Norms McNamara over in the U.K. and um, and Jane Moore, and it has just grown. Um, they're a little bit shocked in terms of what, what exactly has happened with it. But, you know, over there the Prime Minister has gotten behind the movement. The symbol is on trash trucks and buses and, um, uniforms. It's in uh, door windows uh, for businesses that are are um, committing to becoming dementia aware. This isn't about having all the answers. It's about starting the conversation. It's about helping raise awareness and and being part of that team. And again, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take much time at all to get involved. But the impact that you can make is is massively huge, and um, the movement is really starting to take here in the U.S. We're now looking for um, sponsors uh, for materials because it got so big. The uh, the company in the U.K. just can't handle <laughs> providing the U.S. materials as well. So we're trying. There's a team of us that are trying to streamline um, the electronics and then also to um, to find some uh, corporate sponsors uh, to get behind this to help us with funding and postage 
so that we can get information out to people. But again, go to alzheimerspeaks.com on our about page and you'll see a tab for the purple angels there. There are Gosh, probably over 150 ambassadors around the world now and um, so many more that are just out spreading the, the word, um, not in an official capacity. They're, they're uh, you know, friends and advocates of the program, but um, pretty, pretty massive um, and profound um, grassroots effort that has really taken hold and really very, very nice to to see in terms of of what all is happening out there. Um, Rita, as far as uh, the Purple Angel goes for you, do you have a, a game plan on how you want to incorporate that in your town? Or Yes, I would definitely. I was just wondering and I was thinking, because first of all, it's a great team that they, I have a support now. I feel that I'm an ambassador and I have a whole team all over globally who are helping me. Uh, includes from you and, and, and included from the UK where it started from. Uh, what my dream and passion would be that this awareness is to open up to all the family members through my support groups. Secondly, I would like all the assisted living, and I'll try my best, whoever is coming for my training, I would like to aware them, give them a knowledge what exactly Purple Angel Ambassador is so that this word is spread it out to them. All the assisted livings and group homes in Arizona, I would like to talk about this in any of my speaking or any of my trainings to aware them that this, this, this exists and they can have their family members to go and approach. So my plan is that every assisted living who becomes their vendors or they want to know about it and they want to aggressively uh, support our Purple Angel, um, I would like to go to those communities, give them the stickers, whatever they are looking for, and we can have uh, that particular community uh, as a Purple Angel that they uh, they recognize what this move is for, what this appearance is for. And... Um, as much as I can, my vision is wherever I can uh, in my vendor shop as, as if I'm a vendor or I'm an education or I'm training, each and every one of them will have this awareness of Purple Angel. In my next support group, I am taking my computer. Usually we don't. We don't do that. Um, I had a request from a couple of them, so I will be taking my computer and showing them through my projection what Alzheimer's Speaks is all about what Purple Angel is all about so that they can go back home and navigate this uh, through themselves and read and be there. Uh, so everyone, each and every individual's voice is going to be counted very well for them. And uh, slowly and steady, yes, I would like to make sure that each and every community is also aware about Purple Angel. Yeah, it's, a it's, it's exciting. It is very exciting, and I think we need support from each and every uh, individual out here because every third person has dementia. Every third person uh, is being diagnosed with dementia. So we need that awareness. We need that um, uh, holding hand from one hand to another hand, you know. So I am trying my best then from this Arizona. I would like to do that in New Jersey when I travel next and even a little bit in Dallas, wherever I go. This comes with me. And I feel a really a great support from all of you ambassadors that who are helping me and will be helping me more to uh, give this awareness to each and every individual, the families who need this help. 
Wonderful. I don't know if you were able to catch the show. I did a special show last night um, with an Australian group um, that is just doing phenomenal work. And I actually have a video of theirs posted on the front page of Alzheimer's Speaks. And it's about the why of how we care. And it's it's 14 minutes long, but it really gets to the heart of what we need to be doing. And um, Colin Mc- McDonald is the care services manager um, at Uniting Care Aging um, um, at Sterrett Lodge. And uh, they're over in Australia, and they're really doing cool, cool stuff. And I had the producer of the film on with him, and um, Karine is doing some, some more work um, with Colin and with Kathy uh, Greenblatt as well, and um, just phenomenal, phenomenal work in terms of, of shifting care. That might be something that um, you and others can use in, in training programs as well, just showing the, you know, the creativity that's coming and getting to the heart of, you know, in the soul of like you talked in your opening um, that each person has. And in this um, this video really shows people coming alive when you ignite at that soul level and what happens uh, what happens at that time. It's it's pretty pretty extraordinary. Um, I'm I'm really excited because on Sunday I'm going to actually um, go to Wisconsin for uh, some meetings with. Uh, Wisconsin, the state as a whole, is going to become dementia-friendly. That's their goal. And so I'm going to be in some meetings with with them. And then afterwards, I'm going to go visit uh, Colin in a a group uh, from his organization are in the U.S., and I'm going to be able to sneak some time with them. Um, They're doing some extensive tours to kind of check out you know, what kind of um, care models do we provide over here. And... um, but I'm going to be able to sneak some time uh, with the with the team, and I'm so excited because they're just really doing some phenomenal things. And they talk about, you know, how to ignite and um, energize staff, and their their turnover is like next to nothing, which is a big problem in most communities mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Turnover mm-hmm. is significant, and he said. The only reason they have somebody leave is if um, if they relocate or if they go back to school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. people don't leave because they're not happy, but they're very, very engaged with their work, and and I think that that's um, a huge thing that I'm I'm sure that you work on as well is getting people back on purpose. You know, most people got into healthcare because they're a people person and then we we give them this job description with this list of tasks and it has nothing to do with people you know we're so time oriented and um regulation oriented that we forget that we're dealing with mm-hmm. a person that it's not a task and um and I think that's really what has to happen um we have to shift our our care culture to get back to realizing the service is a person not the task um, yeah. and meeting their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's going to. And that's very interesting, mm-hmm. and that's very true. And as I said, as you said very well, that um, uh, we are forgetting the care, or we are overloaded. That means all the professionals and the caregivers are overloaded with all these uh, paperwork and the time limits and whatever. But no matter what it is, I've been there on the field. If you have a passion as a caregiver, you will still take the time 
to take care of our dementia patients. Mm-hmm. You will still yeah, take I... time, those 15 minutes, 10 minutes, a smile, while you're passing, you're, you're, you're looking, you're, you're, you're feeding them, you're reminiscing. So, you know, the passion has to be there. So I try to put that passion in every caregiver. Even if you have to do the paperwork, you have to do the ADLs, you have to feed them, you can still interact and ask them to talk share your thoughts, share, uh, listen to their thoughts and be a great listener so you will know about uh, these dementia patients. So just not sitting there. So, you know, you're right, you're absolutely right. They have the caregiver wherever I go and the staff is always talking that, hey, Rita, we are eight of them and within an hour we have to take care of them. And I said, within that hour, you still can take out 15 minutes and just say five minutes, hello, how are you? How's your day? Can I help you with something? Can I get you a water? Can I get you a snack? Can I get you a fresh fruit? Just to make a smile, just to create some moments of joy for our dementia patients. That's all the passion they have to bring from my training. Yeah, and that and that's critical. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's very critical to get people back in touch with why they're doing what they're doing and and how they're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, it, it just it's so simple, yet we've gotten so so far off kilter with with it mm-hmm. all. And um, we really need to get we really need to get back back to balance and um, and back on track. Um, any last minute things that you would like to uh, like to share with our audience at all, Rita? Um. It was a really pleasure that whoever our listeners are today, I would love to say that, you know, uh, thank you for being a part of our conversation. If you were, you have any questions, feel free to email me. That is at beyondgoldenera.com. You can visit my other website, which is dementiaangels.com, and you have my cell phones. You feel free to call me for trainings, uh, any CU programs, any type of consultations, or if you need any type of resources, even if I'm in Arizona, I would love to help you if it need be. Just send me an email. I would love to. I would love to hear from you. And thank you, thank you, Laurie. Thank you, thank you for everything and giving me an opportunity to be on your show today. And I'm looking forward to hear from you all. Okay, and we would love good. Mm-hmm. We would. I would love to be one of the advocates. I would love to be a part of uh, um, any anywhere I can assist any seniors or family members who are lost and what should they be looking for in their own state or where they can reach, uh, reach any of the services. So I can guide them through email. That would be wonderful. Or they can pick up the phone and give me a call. Feel free. Okay. Thank you, Rita. And you have a wonderful week, okay? You too. Thank you so much, Laurie, and have a wonderful day, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Before I introduce our next guest, I'm just going to go through some mid-program highlights. Um, For those of you that are are just tuning into the show right now, Alzheimer's Speaks is is an advocacy-based group that just uh, wants to shift our, our caregiving culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And so we have all different types of platforms. You can visit our main website at www.alzheimerspeaks.com. I want to just highlight um, some of our last shows. I I just spoke of the show. I had a special show on last night um, that was uh, just excellent that talked about uh, collaboration and making a difference, and it was an Australian group um, that had some really new, fresh ideas in terms of how to create 
um, true dementia-friendly communities and how to empower those diagnosed. And it's a, it's a wonderful, it was a wonderful show, and I recommend uh, recommend you um, listening to that one. Um, on the 10th, we had Alzheimer's Disease International with us, Mark Wartman, the executive director and author, Shannon Wurbinski, who wrote a beautiful book called What Flowers Remember. Um, again, I, it was written, the book was written for um, kind of uh, tweens, um, but it's a great adult book as well. So um, check out uh, that book, What Flowers Remember, and if you want the global updates, you can listen to the June 10th episode. All of our shows here are are recorded, so we go back three years. There's all kinds of information out there. Our next show on, on next Tuesday is... Um, is going to be talking about, gosh, I just forgot. Isn't that awful? I have to go look it up. So I will get back to you on that one. <laughs> Our last dementia chats, though, we had uh, we had discussed how to live better with dementia and um, what these memory impairment cards do. And that was uh, really uh, quite fascinating as well. And um, we always get great, great information uh, when dealing with them. Our upcoming one is... um, Dealing with Dementia, Getting Your Detective Hat On. That will be coming up here soon. So um, we also, um, I think I'm going to tentatively cancel our dementia chats that we normally would do on the 24th just due to my travel schedule. I think it's just going to be a little bit too hard uh, to plug in. And don't forget our resource directory. Not only can you find resources, but you can input information um, on uh, in into the resource directory by just going up to the header. There's a button that says share that you care, and there's directions on how you can input information. So if you have a business or a product or a tool, um, or maybe you've read a book that you think others need to know about, you can go ahead and input it into the resource source directory. Some of the past blogs I'm going to highlight. Um, Norms McNamara uh, wrote a, a beautiful prose and it's called Please Don't and it's really about the realities of dementia and he's asking that people don't do certain things when they encounter a person with dementia. Um, Michelle Remold, um, our intern, wrote a nice piece on uh, called In Their Eyes and it's all about connections. There's a piece on Father's Day, um, and then there's a survey that just has uh, three questions. It's uh, three polls, basically uh, one question each on um, grassroots versus medical academic models. I would really appreciate your your taking the time to um, complete those polls. I'm also interested in the public's definition of a grassroots model versus a medical ac- academic model. And then um, Linda Evan, uh, Everman had sent me something on uh, helping to stamp out Alzheimer's. And so uh, they're they're needing some more support in terms of trying to get the the semi postal stamp through. Again, uh, don't forget about the Purple Angel Project. If you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, you can go to Alzheimer's Disease International. Um, 
or if you want a holistic approach, check out the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, the Lewy Body Association and the Frontal Temporal Lobe Association, and the National Aphasia Association will give you specifics to those types of symptoms of dementia. And um, again, we've got Jiminy Wicket where you can play croquet, um, even if you have dementia and it's intergenerational coral health with um, Music First, which writes prescriptions for music to help change our moods. Uh, Jane Snyder's Puzzle With Me that are more age-appropriate um, uh, in in uh, in design. And there are fewer pieces, and there are also um, easier, uh, easier to, uh, to handle. And then the Alzheimer's Studies Group, if you're looking for a clinical trial, uh, they are doing a trial on um, tau, which is in its third clinical trial. And then they also just started one on frontal temporal lobe. So let me go ahead and introduce our our next guest here, uh, Elvin Mano, is a Franco-American filmmaker based in Portland, and for more than 20 years, he's worked as a film director, a photographer, and a film producer on many documentaries. Since 2010, uh, Elvin has been producing a film collection along with a scientific community of geriatric doctors called Remembrance. Um, and this is a, a collaboration and collection that is dedicated to patients and caregivers affected by dementia. Um, the first collection is now um, collection of films is now available online um, streaming. So, Alvin, welcome to the show today. How are you doing? Good morning, Lori. I'm very well. Thank you very much for hosting me, inviting me to participate today. Well, I think your project is is really quite exciting, and um, I, I. But before we go in to talk about that, I always just like to um, let our listeners know if you've been personally touched by dementia. Have you had a family member or a loved one, uh, you know, um, touched by this disease? And and um, you know, how did you how did you get involved in this to begin with? So. Well, um, you, you're absolutely right. Uh, the project that I will talk to you about today started about five years ago when uh, my grandmother actually was uh, personally affected uh, by dementia. Uh, she's 93 years old. She's, she's, uh, she was diagnosed as a, as a first, uh, as a stage one, uh, as an Alzheimer patient. And, and, um, and I decided immediately that because she was always someone extremely extremely uh, uh, full of life and happy through her entire life and very positive person that I had to do something and bring my expertise and, and domain of experience to, to help us, to help her in what she was going to go through. And, um, and that's, why, that, that, that's how the project originated, actually, yes. Okay, great. And um, can you tell us, you know, why you created this and and how you how you feel that this is kind of a new therapeutic solution uh, in in terms of uh, providing care for Alzheimer's and, and dementia patients? Yes. Well, one of the first things 
that I realized I wasn't familiar at all with the conditions of living that the patients affected uh, by dementia were, were living into. And um, as I said, um, when my grandmother was uh, affected by it and she, when she started to live in the institution, I would pay her frequent visits and, and, and could measure um, uh, the chaotic and the stressful environment in which she was living in and in which she was surrounded by all the time. And uh, even though there was a little garden in the backyard of, of the institution, I realized that no one was going and that the only um, uh, horizon that uh, the patients were living in and, and, and looking at was the gray walls of the institutions or, or, or the white blues of the people that were in. And to me, it seemed um, uh, uh, like something that we could easily change coming from the world that, that, that I live in. Uh, as a photographer, I'm an observer of nature. I, I meditate, I, I, I travel a lot, and I see beautiful things uh, throughout my travels. And I thought, well, it would be so simple to uh, help and, and bring a little bit of, of what I see uh, into the institution. So I started to, to work on a body of images that was different and more uh, targeted for the people and the audience that I was uh, dealing with. And, and uh, very quickly, uh, the um, doctors that uh, were present in the institution said, well, I think we're touching something very important here because you are absolutely right. We're able to, we were able to stimulate some of the sensors and, and create a, 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 a sort of a, of a quiet and non-stressful, non-threatening environment by projecting simple uh, images. And, uh, and for the listeners to understand, I mean, there you know, we always say that a picture is worth a thousand worlds. So, so I invite everyone to go and see the little trailers. But, but for the listeners, I want to, I want them to understand what what, what I did and 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 the concept that I created. Um, I, I through the meditation process, you know, sometimes we we look at we look at nature and, and we breathe and 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 we or, or even when we walk without even realizing it, we we diminish our level of stress by just by, by just looking at, uh, at something in the distance. Well, I, I took that uh, literally and saying, you know, when, when I take a walk in nature, when I, when I look at, at, at the sky or uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be living in Portland, Maine and, and to be living by the ocean and very often when I take walks, I, uh, I look uh, at nature and, and all that contributes to my uh, to, to, to my not my healing process, but to my general state of being uh, and, and to my stress level. And I thought, well, this is something I could do. I could use the uh, new um, uh, technological tools that are now available, and then I'll, I'll explain you how I use them uh, to, to bring that into the homes, uh, into the, the, the institutions. And, and, and project them. And one thing that was very important because w w was the technical aspect of it. Uh, I wanted the films that I, I, I was going to create uh, to have an extremely high uh, um, uh, level of, 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 of precision. I wanted them to be like moving living tableaus, like m m something that we would look at. And um, you know how uh, television is, is the opposite of, of of, of something that is um, stressful, it's, it's it's very confusing, especially for 
people affected by dementia, it's, it's not handicap accessible. And, and very often when I go into hospitals, I, I'm very, and I don't, I couldn't understand why the television was always on. Uh, and I thought it was, it was something and that, that, that was not adapted at all. And uh, so, so the pro- project that I started to work on, those living tableaus, I thought needed to have a, a, a quiet um, and, and peaceful aspect of it. So I filmed a long sequence shots, and uh, sometimes they would last, at the beginning of the project, would last several, uh, several minutes, up to 10, 15 minutes. And then we realized that the attention span of, of not only the patients, but of the caregivers was reduced, and, and then we, were, we would be losing uh, the, the attention. So we reduced uh, our living tableaus to three minutes. So what it is really, it's, it's, it's um, a moving image, a very simple moving image. There is no uh, voiceover. There is no narration. Uh, sometimes I use uh, just simple silence. There is no, n- not even uh, uh, ambient sound. Sometimes I, I do use the ambient sound because we, we've seen through, through uh, music therapy and, and, and uh, sound therapy that the, the um, cognitive stimulation that can come with the use of sound is very important. But, but um, we've worked on, the, on, on those films so that the, they're, they're very simple ways in, uh, to access them. So the films last three minutes, and we have ten of them that comes in a row. So we have a 30-minute sessions that are provided throughout the day uh, that comes and help um, the people and the caregivers that are surrounding to uh, take a moment of, 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 of uh, breathing throughout the day, um, and that's how uh, that's how it all started. And and then we the, we worked on on the films themselves with, uh, like you said uh, originally, a, a committee of of geriatric doctors and psychologists, we, were, we started to work on the sequencing uh, as we were advancing in, into creating that series of films and realized that not only we could provide uh, with the films something that would um, uh, be uh, meditative and calming and soothing, but, but that we could also use that as a, as a cognitive stimulation in some ways for the patients. Uh, so we created a, a series of films, and, and some of the films we use in the morning, some of the films we use uh, in the middle of, of the day, and uh, we used, you know, the circadian uh, uh, aspect of, of, of dementia and, and chronobiology to uh, diffuse the films at different times. And, uh, and very quickly, we were able to, to measure uh, uh, drastic uh, diminution in, in the in the level of stress uh, and, and in the, the environment that we were uh, dealing with. Uh, I'm sorry for, for, my, for my mix and my, my, my confusion in, in the way I present that, but um, I, hope, I hope I'm making myself clear. No, no. So, so basically, reminiscence is um, they're, um, about how long are they, three or four minutes long a piece? Is, is that what I read? For the film? Yes, absolutely. Every film is okay. three minutes long, and 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 the okay. sequencing for every session is different. Uh, like we would have, you know, we realized that after thirty minutes, uh, the at 
attention span of the patients was going away because um, there would be scenes of nature, for example. We are uh, here in Maine. Uh, I created a series of films specifically for people that uh, grew up in farms. So we have like a sessions of my films that are targeted with, with farm scenes. And um, so we have 10 farm scenes, 10 films of three minutes. And uh, we worked out the sequencing of those films that um, uh, that at the beginning it would be very stimulating, and then and then we would go out with with the films into uh, something that is more soothing, and then and then the sun sunset would would for example uh, lay on the farm, and and that would be the end of the film. So we would have a 30-minute session, 10 films of three minutes. Uh, that would come uh, and and be could be used as a conversational piece or or just a very simple link, a new way of uh, a, a new community. Uh, uh, it creates a caregiver-patient connection uh, and and improves um, the relationship also of the caregiver, the patient, the agents. Because by looking at something that we all take for granted, you know, we uh, um, we. We, we provide not only something that is relaxing, but we create a new link uh, with, with, with this very simple image. Which makes a lot of sense. And, and I think one of the things that um, that people forget, and, and Harry Urban, who is diagnosed with dementia, said this one time on our Dementia Chats, and I just found it to be so profound and so true, is he says, you know, I used to like relaxing before I got dementia. I still do now. And and That's I think right. they find these films very relaxing. Um, they're just are very settling and grounding and calming and um and yet and peaceful. And it's it's, you know, a beautiful visual and like you said, some have have uh background music and and um nature noises and others are just perfectly quiet and that's that's how our everyday life is so that's that is a normal you know where we just like to sit in and absorb what's before us the beauty and you're giving you're bringing that into them for them to be able to have that opportunity again which i think is is lovely and um and i think it's a it's a powerful way um, for people to be engaged, even if there's not chitting and chattering going on, um, we don't always have to talk to be engaged. And I think that that's something that's a, you know, a, kind of a myth out there that people have to be physically active and they have to be talking to be to be engaged. And I and I think this will blow that out of the water. And um, do you have um, scientific um, evidence of engagement with people watching your films at all? Yes, absolutely, and this is a very important point. Thank you for for mentioning it, and I and I want to re- rebound on what you just said because um, the professor Ivajid, uh, who's the scientific uh, director at the Brain Institute in Paris, uh, summarized our mission. He, his his job is to uh, to develop new innovative techniques to cure uh, neuropathologies, and, and I have a quote that I really like to use sometimes too because I think it illustrates exactly what you just said. Uh, and what, here's what he says. He says, someone affected by dementia needs to have his or her, her spirit opened. We need to make them see, hear, and listen. The need to perceive things is good for them. 
The brain is a complex molecular biology system. What is good for us is even better for them. And that's exactly what you said. Uh, we don't need to be talking all the time. Uh, there are very simple ways in which, and, and, and very, uh, very often I talk to, to people uh, because I, I, I am going into institutions and I project my films and because I like to be there. And I talk to people and that caregivers and patients at different stages that, that gives me uh, immediate feedback and says, you know, the only time I could speak with my mom or, or that I would find her again the way she was before where, when we would go by the water. And, and she said that she would feel exactly the same thing before. And that's a little bit of what I'm trying to, to, to do. Uh, to, so to go back to, to your, um, your question about the clinical validations, and how it is effective. Um, there, there are many ways in which the films have a spectacular impact on patients and caregivers. Uh, the, the alleviating the, the stressful uh, living conditions in which uh, they, they, are, they, are, they are living by creating a peaceful moment in, in time uh, through meditation uh, is, 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 is an important aspect of it, and it can be measured uh, very simply, what we did uh, originally three years ago when we started to work on that was to have, uh, uh, we tried that over 500 patients with the doctors and nurses and we would say, okay, uh, every, every nurse was in charge of two or three different uh, dementia patients and we would analyze their reaction throughout the diffusion of the films. And that's also how we were able to work on the sequencing, saying, okay, this one might be a little too meditative for the beginning of it. Maybe we need to uh, use that film uh, for an evening session. Uh, and, and, and another film would be uh, stimulating the episode min uh, memory, relaying a, a precise life episode of an individual. Uh, so we, we would, we would uh, measure the, uh, the agitated movements that would go down over time. And the results were, were, were spectacular because uh, the, the, doc, the doctors told us, you know, I don't know where, how it comes from scientifically, but I, my, our um, uh, hypothesis is, comes from the fact that by projecting these films for three or four long minutes, again, nothing's happening, yet there is always an element of drama. Uh, we're watching the sunset, but there's always a bird crossing. You know, we're watching the chickens in the farms, but, but the, the chickens are eating warm. There's something happening. The little cats are playing together. You know, the very simple series of natures are happening, yet they last a, a, a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, normally in television, uh, an image wouldn't last more than five to ten seconds, and then you move on to something else. Uh, in this particular film, the last three long minutes, and, 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 th and three minutes is a long time for your brain to uh, have an imprint. So after a couple of weeks, we were able to, uh, by questioning the patients, uh, to, uh, to say, do you remember, Mrs. Smith, uh, the films that we watched last week? And they would say, yes, I remember we watched a beautiful sunset, uh, and, and that was uh, for the doctors that we were working in, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 an incredible thing. Uh, so we started the clinical study uh, and, and realized, you know, uh, music therapy has been used for decades as a tool, but, but guided imagery uh, is, is something that is fairly new. Uh, the scene selection, the order, the music, uh, and the chronobiology, uh, we were able to measure 
uh, a direct impact on the reducing of uh, the sundowning effect uh, that I am sure uh, most of your listeners are aware of. Uh, by projecting the films at the end of the day, four, five, six o'clock, uh, by taking their mind off uh, the anxiety that comes with that moment uh, of stress, uh, we were able to um, uh, see uh, in the reactions of the patients the diminishing of the stress. Uh, the, the, the chronobiology throughout the day, making films uh, that would give them new temporal references you know like I, I i will simplify it but it's very simple to understand you know at the end of the day we would uh, provide films of, of sun sunset and at the morning and in the morning we would provide longer films of sunrise so that uh, they could be used uh, by the patients and the caregivers uh, to uh, create those new temporal references throughout the day and that's that's what we've been measuring uh, over the period of, of the time that we developed this series of films. And uh, uh, the clinical validation that, that, that comes with it uh, was made from several panel testing. We're doing the same, and we're continuing that, because we, we believe that there are many more ways in which we can use uh, the, the, the sound and the music in the films to continue uh, to bring this awareness in many ways. Uh, did I answer your question uh, fairly mm-hmm. correctly? Yes? Yeah, no, no, I think I think that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense there. Um, what kinds of effects are care partners um, expected to see, you know, um, in terms of, of people diagnosed watching watching these films what types of reactions are they going to are they going to anticipate um from a patient side uh, on the patient side um there are several um, effects that we were able to uh, mark down one of the first one was the diminishing of the evening anxiety that i was just mentioning the sundowning effects uh, was uh, drastically uh, improved. Um, the, we were able also to note that there were uh, a strong reduction in the behavioral, behavioral uh, troubles uh, and, and the agitated movements of the, the people that were watching through the, the films. Uh, it improves the, the mood and lowers the, the stress level in which the patients are, are living in. And, and by creating um, multisensorial uh, positive stimulation, uh, we were able to uh, work on the stress level of the patient, which not only created something for the patient himself that was uh, encouraging for us, but, but for the caregivers and the medical staff, uh, we were able to create an, an environment that was much easier uh, to work and, and, and deal with. Uh, for the medical staff, we were able to create, a, 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 like I said earlier, non-directive uh, dynamic communication. Uh, we were able to use some of the films to stimulate uh, the cognitive functions and, and use them sometimes as a form of re-education through art therapy. We were like one of the sessions, like uh, would be used as a conversational piece. You know, I said, okay, now we've watched those films for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. Uh, let's talk about uh, a little bit uh, what we've seen, you know, in the farm or on the water. What does that bring back to you? 
the creation of those new temporal points of reference is, is also something very important. I was, uh, I, I was, um, uh, I decided to include that and, and use the, the films because I, in, the, in the editing process, uh, I realized that I was dealing with different times of the day. And I said, well, this is, seems very simple. And one of the important aspects of, of, of dementia uh, is, is, as you know, uh, the, the inversion of day and light and, and the loss of temporal references. And the doctor says, is there something or a way that we could work you know, I've followed initiatives that were done in Canada that, that I thought were excellent. You know, at the end of the day, the, the caregivers would, would put their pajamas on, and, and this was a way to uh, mark that time of the day. And I thought, well, there is a way with guided imagery that we can also provide uh, that. Uh, but, uh, so the films sometimes can be different. The films, when we use them in the morning, uh, the sun, the sunset would last not three minutes but would last 10 or 15 minutes and would be in the environment in the living common spaces or in the bed bedrooms and and that would would create an immediate uh, time reference for the people that are watching that okay now i would imagine that these films and i don't know if you did any studies on this would have a, a big impact on the caregivers just to get them to relax as well so if you're watching this at home um did you did you do any any studies regarding the care partners in terms of them watching this because i think it's beneficial to anybody to just slow down breathe and take some beauty in you know just shut everything else out and just focus you know on a scene and, and the appreciation for what you're seeing um, did you do any studies for for family caregivers at all well we didn't particularly uh, focus our studies on the caregivers but since we work with the caregivers we were able to measure that the caregivers were benefiting uh, just as much from the, the environment that we were creating. Actually, to me, uh, the, the, the films are not targeted essentially towards the dementia patients. I think, like your, 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 like Rita mentioned before, you know, the, uh, it, it is very important to uh, stimulate uh, the five senses. And what is, what I uh, will go back to what Professor Ajit said. You know, what is good for us is good for for dementia patients as well. And the the, the stress level of, of, of dealing with dementia patients increases with the various stages of, of the disease. And it is very important for the patient that the caregiver in itself live, has um, a, a, a peaceful way of dealing with it. And by looking at the films, with or without, you're absolutely right, uh, the, 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 the patients, uh, we, we are able to uh, take away from uh, the, the, the stress that that comes with it and, and bring a sort of, of peacefulness. But at the same time, when you have, uh, you know, your mom in, 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 in the bedroom or in the living room just looking at a film in the middle of the day, then you're able to attend some of the things that you wouldn't be able to be doing throughout the day. And you're, you're still able to carry on a, a conversation or to, or to work uh, or, or to do different things. And as, I, I, as I'm talking about uh, my films or presenting them, you know, I did a couple of, of Pichakucha presentations where people can come and, and talk about various projects. And people would come and say, you know, I'm affected by uh, 
I, I was a veteran, and and and, and uh, I am a veteran, and, and I went to, to war. And your films, uh, I feel, could be very useful because I have troubles going to sleep at night, and uh, and the post-traumatic stress that comes with it. Uh, I think your films could help me. So, so we started to use the films and said, of course, you, you can you can you can use them uh, uh, because they're not only targeted for people that are affected by special forms of, of, of dementia. We built it, I created this collection, a series of films for the patients themselves, but they of course can be used by anyone that is um, into a stressful forms of, 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 of daily life. You know, the MIT in Boston has been studying uh, for the past 10 years a lot Uh, this new trend in mind-body medicine and how uh, uh, mm-hmm. your mind affects the, your, your general state of, of being and, and measures how uh, the impact of stress can develop not only dementia but several forms of diseases. So by, by providing an, a form of inner peace, by, by meditation, and my films are in no way a form of uh, a, a strict meditation in this, in this literal form uh, the sense of the word, but they are a form of, of meditative uh, approach to, uh, to life. Uh, because what happens, and it's very easy for any of your listeners to go online and to try that. You know, I had one of the uh, sessions because I, I, I like people to, to, to try that and, and tell me, give me some feedback about uh, what it does to them. We, Uh, they can go online right now and look at uh, one of the sessions uh, with the little cats in the farm that I was mentioning before and, and see what it does to them. Because at the beginning, you're looking at the cats and you're looking at the scene and you say, oh, this is very cute and it brings a smile to your face. And after uh, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, you're still looking at them. And then, and then the, the, the dog comes in the back, and, but something happens. You're not looking at a film you're not we're not telling you a story uh, instantly you are uh, starting to uh, be somewhere else you are in uh, a, a sort of meditative state you are you're traveling you're dreaming and actually this is how uh, the geriatric doctors that we were Uh, using those films for, uh, would present the film throughout the day. There would be dreaming sessions. They would say, okay, and they would bring the patients in the institutions and say, for 30 minutes, we're going to provide you uh, with um, images that uh, will recall some of the places that you've seen in your life. But there is nothing to understand. There is no complicated plot. There is no voiceover. Uh, you don't have to feel threatened by anything. And, 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 and I showed the films in many, many institutions. And, and, and I was always amused because the nurses would come to me before and say, you know, uh, we, we, we know how to deal with that. We, we, we are expecting some very agitated movement from such and such patients and, and do not worry about it. We know that you're not necessarily accustomed to this type of effect. And I would say, okay, we'll see how it goes. And 95% of the time, nothing happened like, uh, uh, like they would expect it. You know, the reduction of the agitated movements was not coming from the patients that were mostly agitated. And something would happen. Uh, the power of music, for example, is, is tremendous uh, and has been used in, in music therapy like for decades. Uh, I use 
I used uh, music also as a very important creative tool to stimulate uh, the memory of the uh, of the patients. Um, I would identify uh, with professional musicians and musical therapists uh, songs from the 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, that and, and even locally. You know, we don't have the same songs in Maine or the, that that we would have in in, in Minneapolis uh, at this period of time. So we would we would be um, identifying to different forms of songs, and at the same time, some songs are more universal. So we would be able also to use the power of, of music to create and, and stimulate the memory and the power of sounds. But um, I also worked with musicians to compose songs for the film specifically. Uh, so there would be a really strong connection between the images that you would be looking at and the films uh, and, 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 the, and the music that would come. And that, to me, was very, very interesting. To um, since the film were, were were soothing and meditative and calming, it was very important to have uh, the music that would go with it. And a career, the creative process that brought to that um, was very interesting uh, because I could see that by the combination of uh, the various elements, by working with uh, people that were using different tools. Uh, the, the music, the imagery, the chronobiology of time throughout the day, we were creating something that could be used as a tool uh, to help not only the patients but the caregivers. You were absolutely right to underline that, that the, uh, had helped uh, their daily conditions of living. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now we have um, somebody in the chat box. Terry is saying, you know, if you look at the history of cinema and TV, historically the camera lingered on a scene for 45 to 90 seconds. Um, much longer takes is far less stressful on the neurology um, aspects of the of the brain. And the faster and faster the cinematography, um, it's very hard on the brain um, and in changing um, it literally the way we're wired. Um, so there's there's really some rhyme or reason for slowing down and letting us just absorb it. Um, goes on to say, it sounds like this film work is addressing and taping into the nonverbal areas of the brain, which should also help um, us relax. There is no language or information that requires processing, so being able to get it um, should be much more comfortable to the challenged brain. And, and that's something I hear over and over and over again. Thank you, Terry, for those comments. Um, from people with dementia, they say, you know, I don't watch TV anymore. Or I, I, if I do, I'm just sitting there with my spouse or my loved one because they want to watch it, but I can't track it. I don't enjoy it. I just enjoy being with them. Um, and for many, it's stressful trying to um, stay connected and keep up with plots and everything that's going on. And so this really is a nice kind of new normal that allows people to relax. And and, and I like that kind of dream state, you know, it's because dream, you know, hopefully it's a peaceful dream state, not a nightmare, you know, but what you're creating um, is this peacefulness. And I think that's one of the things, again, that I hear from people with dementia is 
there's so much angst in their life um and they're they're constantly nervous about what's going on and just to allow them to be um in a in a beautiful comfortable setting um adds so much value and allows um allows a much more dignified state um for them to be present in as well so you know kudos for for developing this i hope that this uh that that people really understand um what's behind this this isn't you know just putting in a tape to keep somebody busy um so that you can do something else not that you can't um utilize it for that and allow yourself some time to be able to do something else but it really is bringing a peacefulness within um which is so so important and it might jog some some memories and some conversation as well um you know in terms of when when they have been um in a moment similar to that so i i would imagine that that um happens probably a lot with people that you know they see the dog or the cat or the horse or the cow or you know wherever it is or if it's going down the canal you know in a boat um mm-hmm. that it jogs memories or the people dancing um it jogs memories um in their own mind and um cuz we're always trying to figure out how we fit in usually you know to different to different scenes do you do you get a lot of um reminiscing um generated after watching these films Yes, and, and very often it conduces. You know, one of the fir- one of the great joy of this project that it brought to me was the fact that, um, uh, as a filmmaker, uh, as a documentary filmmaker throughout my life, I would always work on very exciting projects that, um, and sometimes would go, but I would never really uh, have the, the the chance to be confronted to the public that I was working for. You know, you you were you make films for. Uh, Television and then they're they're sometimes uh, broadcasted once and, and, and I mean there's a screening once and then they're broadcasted but you're never in front of of the end viewer and uh, with this project I took a very different approach I used the network of of, uh, of filmmakers that were in my environment musicians to say okay we're going to do something that is very different from anything that we've done so far and uh, and the way we're going to do that is really to adapt. Uh, the the films uh, to uh, a specific uh, population and and in order to really measure the impact and and create uh, uh, films that are really adapted to it what we're going to do is we're going to go into the institutions we're going to project project uh, the films ourselves and see what it does and uh, I didn't know what that was going to uh, uh, how much this was going to affect me because very quickly. Uh, the feedback that I would get uh, from the reminiscing of all those images, people would say, "Oh, I think I know. You know, one of the films, one of the places where that you've been showing us earlier on. Uh, I was, I was there, uh, and you know, or, 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 or yeah, I, I, yes, I grew up uh, uh, in, in a farm that was very similar to the one that uh, you, you showed us, and I think this little cat was actually my little cat, uh, and." Um, and there, I didn't know that the reminiscence that would come 
from just uh, the simple viewing would have uh, such an impact on people. So uh, as we would move on with the production of the film, uh, I decided to uh, put an emphasis on, on that and says, okay, let's let's brainstorm and see and imagine what what is part of our common day-to-day life. What are the simple things that we do or we look at throughout the day without even realizing it? And how could we make that interesting by, by, by just projecting ourselves in them for three minutes? So then we would film, and, and I'm, in, uh, I'm still in the process of doing that. So then I film, I go out, and, and then we edit the films, and we add music or sound or just pure silence to it. And then we project it. And very often, Nine, nine times out of ten, the reaction uh, from the patients, but also, like you said, from the caregivers, is, is very rewarding in many ways uh, because we are able to um, have an immediate feedback on the films that we're making. And, and that, that was very important to us because it helped us uh, to, to create something that was really uh, connected to the daily life of the people that we were working with and for. Uh, so after I do my projection, I, would, I always stay. And, uh, and I like to talk on the film sometimes. You know, I project the films for 30 minutes, and I, and I say, well, here now we're, we're in the coast of Maine, or now we're down in Louisiana, and, uh, and this was shot, uh, uh, you know, on, on the Missouri uh, River. And, and very soon, in a few minutes, you will see um, a bird crossing the thing, and, the, and, and I give the name of the bird. And I very simple little hints like that. And I realized that the interaction was just uh, very, very uh, nurturing in, in many ways. And the nurses and doctors we're working, or, or that I go when I go into a, a new institution or where I provide the film to a caregiver, I always give sort of a, a methodology on, on how to use uh, the films. Uh, you know, we can, and, and at what time, and, and like you said, uh, the, the television is, uh, is very confusing in many ways to me, and it, it's even confusing to, to, to everyone. Sometimes you look at the news and you have four different sources of information. Something is written that doesn't have any relation whatsoever with the image that you're viewing, and then you're getting different sound for it. It's totally chaotic. Those films are, are the opposite way uh, of, of that, and... Um, and the nonverbal aspect uh, uh, and, and the fact that we're processing something that is very simple is, is crucial. So, uh, you know, depending on the sessions that we project throughout the day, the, the, the sundowning uh, sessions are very important. So we, we have, uh, I have, I explain how to deal with those sessions in a different way. I said, okay, we're going for the, for the sessions at the end of the day when we're in institutions. What we're going to do is to create a very calm, peaceful, environment we're going to lower the level of light and um, because there is also a sequencing in in the 10 films that comes together and we're bringing uh, people in sort of a a meditative state and then we have to take them out of it by slowly you know um, uh, uh, reactivating the return to to the to the life of the environment that they're accustomed to Uh, and to me, it's always been something extremely uh, interesting to witness 
uh, the reaction and the people looking at the film, something that I, like I said, I've never done before in my life as a, as a filmmaker because, uh, you know, sometimes I, look, I would look at, and the documentary style is a very different way of looking and, and creating a content than that what I'm doing now. But um, uh, the, the reward of being a filmmaker is to be able to show things to people that... Um, they don't see normally, and that's what I do as a photographer as well. And that is why also I insisted that the films that I would make would have an extremely high quality in terms of the quality of images. So all the images that I shoot are, 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 are made with 4K and 5K uh, in, uh, cameras. Uh, this is a little technical here, but uh, it means that the depth of field, uh, the the, the the little details in the image have to be very present. The color, the lightning, uh, they're, they're extremely precise and, uh, and they're like uh, uh, extremely detailed photography with things that are moving. So we give the impression of really uh, traveling through time and space uh, by, by providing the, a, a new form environment, which is something that you don't have normally with with uh, uh, normal cinematography, uh, unless you're you're in a, uh, in, a in a movie theater, uh, and and this is why I'm very excited too, because the new technology now allows us to do that uh, in a very efficient way, uh, and 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 has we are going. This is a very simple tool. I don't know if you've heard of that, Laurie, uh, but if you've heard of, of the Snoozelen multi-sensory rooms that have been used um, to stimulate the senses in Europe and in hospitals uh, in, in, the, in, yeah. in the past 10 years. Have you, have you heard they're, of that? They're fascinating. Yeah, they're yes. fascinating. They're, but they're expensive, too. <laughs> Exactly, they're they're very expensive. They're, they cost uh, for for the listeners who are not familiar with the Snowizland Room. Uh, it's an initiative that started about 15 years ago uh, in Scandinavia, and and what they created is, is a way to stimulate the senses of uh, kids or people that were affected by autism, by dementia, or other mental uh, illnesses uh, by creating in a small environment. Um, stimulation of the senses. So we would see, I'm going to simplify it. It would be really simple to, to look at images online. But um, they would make bubbles and sounds and calms, and there will always be a therapist with them or in those rooms. And there would be sessions that would last anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes. And, um, and there were clinical studies that were done over the past 20 years, 15 years, on, 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 on the impact of form of mind-body medicine that it physically work. Well, the, the films uh, of the Remembrance uh, film collections have exactly the same effect as those multi-sensory room, uh, except that we've exploded the walls and the physical wall and the cost of, of acquiring that for a hospital or an institution. We're able to provide exactly the same form of, of relaxation and, and stimulation uh, through uh, those modern uh, interactive tools, so that was a, that was a great success for us, and I hope we can we can continue to do that. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I did have uh, someone else comment um, uh, that's from hospice and just said, you know, this is just such a difficult disease. And it, has this been tried in hospice at all? 
Um, I would think that this would be, again, really calming for both family and and people um, with with dementia um, or in end stages, you know, if if they're still able to engage and watch what's what's going on. Uh, is your question, has this been uh, tried in institution? Yeah, in hospice, in a hospice situation yes. in terms of... I. I could see where that would bring a lot of calmness to not only the family but um hopefully the patient as well depending on where they're you know what stage they're in. Yes, uh, actually it all started in hospices and and caregiver homes and 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 not only hospice uh, also and but then uh, sometimes we would invite also caregiver families to stay with us during the protection and uh, the caregivers would come after and say, is there any way we can get the films? And at the time where I started to do that, I had DVDs, so I would hand out DVDs and says, yes, you can you, you can use them. And in hospices, uh, the process was a little different that we would, that you would do into your own home. Uh, they were they were used in hospital. They are used. They are currently used in in, in um, uh, dementia institutions, in hospices, and caregiver homes, uh, and not as a therapeutic treatment, but as uh, uh, an incitation incitation to dream dreaming sessions uh, throughout the day that are provided. So the the use of the films uh, is different. Whether if you're if you're at home. Or if they are used by um, by a committee of, of 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 doctors and nurses in in the institution, uh, and you know uh, the the hospices that are visited, they all have a, a, a corner with a with a television or a retroprojection system, and most of the time they are providing uh, uh, images or, or or you know the Discovery's channel is on or or images that are um, also. Um, uh, amenable to watch, uh, but uh, at specific time during the day, uh, they would provide the remembrance film collection sessions. They are providing it. Yes. Okay, wonderful. So, who, do you want to talk a little bit about your collaborators uh, that you worked with to create these films? I know you had mentioned a geriatric team. I don't know if you want to do any name dropping here. Um, and then tell us a little bit too about um, where people can find the film and how much it costs. And um, we're going to need to wrap up. I think we've got about ten minutes left here. So, um, but I want to make okay. sure that we get a plug for for that. Yes, thank you very much, Lori. Uh, I'm I'm passionate. And for me, it's, uh, it's also I, I apologize for my put, put the, the French accent that I have, and I hope I can make myself clear. You're right to mention people that I work with because this is a team effort that I've been working with. Um, many people are involved in the, into, the project, in, into the production and the logistics side of it. Uh, I work with filmmakers, uh, musicians, sound engineers that help me produce the content. That's the technical part. And and, um, and the scientific committee of, of uh, geriatric doctors and psychologists that we've been working uh, uh, with help us to modify the content to fit either the time schedule, the attention of the patients are saying, no, this is maybe a little too threatening or, or this could be in another sequence. So, uh, and the analyzing of the reaction, patients and caregiver uh, allow us to uh, measure the, the, the impact uh, 
there would be too many people for me to uh, to thank and 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 to provide name with, but everyone can easily uh, go online and uh, on forgetdementia.net. This is the website that I've just recently finished about a week ago, so it's still in the process, but where you, you can see most of of of, uh, of our work. Uh, to answer your specific questions, how much does it cost? We are uh, a not-for-profit uh, operation right now. Uh, we still try to raise funds uh, to continue uh, to produce our content. Uh, and uh, so, so we provide all the films for free. Uh, there is a public license trial of our films that is now available uh, for healthcare institutions in the United States and Canada. Uh, everything is easily viewable online uh, through an online delivery service. Uh, again, all the link can be found on forgetdementia.net. So whether you're a private or a home license uh, owner or a home um, home caretaker, you can you can access the content. Um, <clears throat> the films are available uh, on, on the links, and we're trying to um, continue uh, by um, uh, by by uh, raising a campaign. What we what we did. You will, you will find a link on the homepage of forgetdementia.net uh, to our Indiegogo campaign. And I, I want to use the, the opportunity uh, of, your, of your fantastic show uh, to, to call for action and ask your listeners uh, to, to help us continue uh, to produce our content. We need new contribution to bring the films into, to, into institution, into the home of patients, and all that has as a, as a cost, but uh, uh, they can help in many different ways. Uh, just by by sharing on, on social networks the links and the availability of the content uh, is also uh, a tremen tremendous help. Uh, by being a non-for-profit, if we, you know, we're, we're dreaming, we're, we're dreaming of a white knight, uh, a generous uh, contributor, a patron of the arts, someone that that could help us quickly boost that project by providing. Uh, for us, uh, a way to distribute the content uh, uh, in, a, in a very, in a much larger way, and, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it will come. And I believe in providence, in the, like we say in France, and, and and that something comes out of it. But but in the meantime, I invite uh, all your listeners to share. Uh, to share the link, to share the, the content, and to come and try it. And uh, and again, money is no object. If you uh, there, there is a, a way, just send me an email, and I will provide uh, for free uh, the contents of the sessions to you. Uh, we 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 really want that to uh, to to help as many people as we can. So go to forgetdementia.net, and and hopefully you'll find uh, all the information uh, that. And I, and I thank you. I think you've also put a, a link uh, on. On your on your on your website so it's very easy for for listeners to to go to the content yep exactly exactly well I appreciate all your all you're doing it's uh it's very very important work and you know it takes a village and we're we're all out there working together um, I'm just gonna look at um, some more comments here Terry had said um, let's see. What I've learned in education background, we aren't teaching math. We're teaching kids, for example, um, same with healthcare. Um, the other one, let's see, is we can't improve, only manage. Um, 
when there's so much holistic and complementary care, we can really make a difference. So I, I think it is. It's really we have to focus on the right things that we're that we're teaching our kids and um, and teaching ourselves and and taking time for that self care um, is so so critically important. And these videos, um, these short films, can be great for self care. Um, just letting us relax it's okay to relax in this fast-paced world and i don't think we do it enough i know um i kind of lost my way um just being zippity doo you know trying to trying to keep busy all the time and and i just i don't feel guilty anymore relaxing um and, and taking a break and i actually used to which is really sad um, but I, I, I think I've learned now to embrace the peacefulness even more and, and what that does for me mentally, emotionally, physically. I mean, you can just, you know, when you're in that relaxed state and you're, you're comfortable and you're calm, if you really pay attention, you, you will understand and feel the difference it makes in your body and in your mind and how it will allow you to then jump back into this fast-paced world a little bit calmer, a little bit more detached um, so that you can maneuver your way through without um, all that baggage of, of emotions and guilt and all the other stuff that we, that we take with us. So I think this is a, a beautiful project that brings into communities um, the peacefulness of, of nature and the natural life that we live um, to, to places maybe they can't venture out to all the time um, or maybe they just don't have the time uh, to be able to to go um, or the or the money to travel you know to some of the beautiful settings that you have so um, again kudos kudos for this work and um, it's amazing you know what's you know, when you know someone who's been touched with dementia, how that can change the impact in your life and, and the roads you go down. So I thank your grandma for for having touched you with her her disease, um, which allowed you to um, venture down this road and, and help us all with that. So, uh, again, for people who want to look at these films, go to ForgetDementia.net. That's ForgetDementia.net. Net, and uh, you can always reach out to to Elbine there too uh, from the website, and you'll be able to get to the Indiegogo site as well, where they're trying to raise funds um, to push to push this project out even more. Any last minute comments at all, Elbine, that you'd like to like to address with the audience? Well, I would just like uh, to thank you, uh, Lori, uh, for giving me the opportunity, of course, to be on your show, but for the tremendous work that you're going, because I, I do believe uh, uh, exactly in what you're saying. It is very important uh, to address, and that's what I have discovered in the past uh, years by working at it. It is very important to reach a peaceful uh, stage within yourself, uh, because it's the best way to immediately help. And Rita was mentioning uh before me, uh, how important it is to understand, uh, and that's part of our training, uh, what dementia patients were living into and analyze uh, their needs. And, and I think that if you're in a peaceful uh, state of mind yourself, if you are not uh, in a stressful uh, uh, state of mind, and the films helps to uh, in, in that direction, then you are 
directly helping uh, the people that you care for. So, uh, and, and providing the information, you mentioned that also, uh, the, the, the resources that Alzheimer's Speaks is providing to all of us is, is crucial. So thank you very much for, for everything that you're doing. Well, great. Well, it's always a, a pleasure to hear what's going on. There's there's so many resources out here that we just need to connect people to, and and that's the whole purpose behind Alzheimer Speaks. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day, and and Rita for coming and joining us too, and taking time out of her day uh, to to be able to share with people the the neat resources that you've developed. Uh, to help shift our dementia care culture. So you have a wonderful week, Alvin, and we will definitely be in touch in the future, okay? Thank you, Rita. A bientôt. Au revoir. Uh, Okay, bye-bye. Well, thank you all for listening today. And again, if you haven't liked or tweeted or shared this episode, I would really encourage that you do that um, because you don't know who in your sphere of influence is in need of this information. And the more we can connect people, the um, the better off the world will be. Also, if you haven't gone to alzheimerspeaks.com, that's our main website, please check that out. Again, that's alzheimerspeaks.com, both words are plural and go ahead and like us and share information there's just tons of resources there from the radio show to the blog to the dementia chats to the resource directory if you have a business product service or tool um, please feel free to input that into the directory if it has anything to do with dementia or caregiving just go up to the top button that says share that you care, click on that and it will uh, tell you how you can go ahead and input your information. And if you'd like to subscribe to our newsletter, again, please do that as well. Um, Next week, um, we are not going to have a live show, but I am going to do, I think, a repeat of the show we did last night uh, because I'm going to be traveling. So our next live show will be July 1st. I don't know where June went, but Boy, it went fast. Um, Till next time, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.